Welcome back to Steph's Business Bookshelf and this week's episode about the book Breath by James Nestor. Keep listening to find out why we're breathing wrong. Welcome back. I'm your host, Steph Clark, and each week I show you the three big ideas from the best nonfiction books that I've been reading. Do the reading so you don't have to. This week it is the book Breath by James Nestor, which is one of the books I read just last month in September. It's a book I really enjoyed. It was fascinating, super interesting. You may remember me mentioning it in my Q3 wrap up episode just a few weeks ago. And again, if you are a subscriber of the bookmark, you will have seen me writing about that or read me writing about that a couple of weeks ago too. If you aren't a subscriber to the bookmark, I recommend you do sign up. You will get every fortnight in your inbox a little drop of things I've been reading, listening to, watching, etc. And some of the stuff I can't fit into this podcast all the time. So it's just another little place for me to share those things with you. If you are interested in signing up, you can do so at the top of your show notes. There is a subscribe button to make it very easy for you to do just that. I think it's time to get into what the book is about and about the author, if you haven't already heard of James Nestor. So let's start with a little bit about the book. The book is called Breath, The New Science of a Lost Art. There is nothing more essential to our health and well-being than breathing. Take air in, let it out. Repeat 25,000 times a day. Yet as a species, humans have lost the ability to breathe correctly with grave consequences. Journalist James Nestor travels the world to figure out what went wrong and how to fix it. The answers aren't found in pulmonology labs as we might expect, but in the muddy digs of ancient burial sites, secret Soviet facilities, New Jersey choir schools and the smoggy streets of Sao Paulo. Nestor tracks down men and women exploring the hidden science between ancient breathing practices and teams up with pulmonary tinkerers to scientifically test long-held beliefs about how we breathe. Drawing on thousands of years of medical texts and recent cutting-edge studies in pulmonology, psychology, biochemistry and human physiology, breath turns the conventional wisdom of what we thought we knew about our most basic biological function on its head. You will never breathe the same again. Okay, a little bit about the author. James Nestor is an author and journalist who has written for Scientific American, Outside Magazine, BBC, The New York Times, The Atlantic, National Public Radio, Surface Journal, The San Francisco Chronicle and more. He spent the last several years working on the book called Breath, which we're about to talk about, released last year in May 2020, which spent 18 weeks at the New York Times bestseller list in the first year of publication. When he's at home in San Francisco, he runs his 1978 Mercedes-Benz 300D on used cooking oil wherever he can and uses it to zip around town or break down all over towns, he says, in a Sebring Vanguard city car, the first ever American-made production electric vehicle, which barely ever worked and was later offloaded to some dude with purple suspenders in Eugene, Oregon. Now, on James's website, which is mrjamesnester.com, which is where I took that little bio and also the blurb from the book, there is heaps of other information about James's other work and his much longer bio than I have just summarised about some of the awards he's won, some of the other books and work he has done too. I recommend having a read. It's very interesting, very interesting character and very interesting work that he has had the fortune to do as well. And as usual, there is a link to that in the show notes. Okay, with all that said, let's get into, as usual, the three big ideas from our book this week, Breath by James Nestor. Big idea number one is our changing faces. There are over 5,400 known species of mammals, but humans are the only ones with regular misaligned jaws, under and overbites, and snaggled teeth. 
Evolution isn't always better. It's just change. And we are at a point now and have been for several thousands of years where we're actually passing down almost misformities or that's probably not even a word, malformities. No, that sounds a bit better into to future generations and humans are becoming actually in in, a, in the course of evolution we're passing down these traits that aren't particularly helpful or healthy and this change started before homo sapiens were even sapiens there's a full timeline in the book but over hundreds and thousands of years the species changed we ate different food and therefore the the change in the food we were eating made our brains grow much much bigger which me- meant that they needed to take up more space in our skulls space that it stole from our sinuses our airways and our mouths which shrunk our faces By processing and cooking food, even in a very primitive way hundreds and thousands of years ago, this meant we were chewing less, which means that we, again, our, our jaws were getting looser and not as strong and changed the shape of our face. Speaking and learning to speak and using language dropped our larynx and pushed our tongues back, creating too much space at the back of our throats, meaning that we are actually the only mammal and the only only sapien that can choke. And we do that in our sleep. We do that through snoring and sleep apnea. As we evolved, those who were in colder climates had long, thin noses, which grew that way to warm up the cold air. And those in warm and humid climates had flatter noses, which was much more efficient for processing that that humid air before it hits the lungs. But look at us now, all this evolution, and this is where we are. We are not breathing well. We're snoring. There's sleep apnea. There's all these things that are very much deformities of the human race rather than something that is prevalent in mammal species more generally and we're the only ones that are suffering from these things so this goes to show that our changing faces and our big old brains haven't been that good for us on the whole and I found that section of the book just really interesting to think about because you know it's not something you think about every day is why is our face this way why does this why do we breathe in this way how is it different and why is it different to other mammals so it's big idea number one our changing faces Big idea number two, the prevalent idea from the book is we're breathing wrong. First things first, if you are mouth breathing, if you're using your mouth to breathe, particularly breathing in, this is very bad. Mouth breathing, and I'm going to quote this from the book, mouth breathing, it turns out, changes the physical body and transforms airways all for the worse. Inhaling air through the mouth decreases pressure, which causes the soft tissues in the back of the mouth to become loose and flex inward, creating less space and making breathing more difficult. Therefore, mouth breathing begets more mouth breathing. So our smaller mouths causes then our teeth overcrowding and it causes then all these other issues as well. Sleeping with an open mouth makes it even worse because gravity blocks the airways and therefore that's when we get snoring and sleep apnea. In the book, James talks about his experiment, which sounds absolutely horrific, where he had his nose blocked up with padding for about 10 days as part of an experiment to test what happened when he could only breathe through his mouth. So completely blocked his nose. His snoring, by the end of the experiment, his snoring was 4,800% 4, worse than it was at the beginning of the, of the experiment. And he was having 25 apnea episodes a night, which means he actually stopped breathing during the night. Some were so bad that he actually dropped below 90% oxygen, which has all sorts of other issues that it, can, that it will relate to which I'll talk about in a second, but it just goes to show the, the impact of that. 
what I found really interesting when he was talking about that experiment before he did it he was telling some friends and some people were saying oh no you shouldn't do that it'd be really terrible for you particularly people who practice yoga and had had a background in maybe some some health things but yet there was other people who were just like oh well I haven't breathed through my nose for 10 years so what's the big deal and it just goes to show that what is what we would see as kind of normal actually is is not normal at all in terms of not breathing through our noses some studies show that sleep apnea and snoring lead to things like bedwetting, ADHD, diabetes, high blood pressure and cancers. The Mayo Clinic actually says that chronic insomnia is actually a breathing problem now, not a psychological one. The ADHD link was really interesting. They actually he talked about a Japanese study which showed that mouth breathing reduces oxygen to the prefrontal cortex, which is associated with ADHD. So there's some really interesting research he states in here and he gives citations for all of these studies. If you wanted to then go and read them, I can't say I have. So I'm, I'm reporting what's in the book, not necessarily commenting on the particular studies, but all these things that you just think, oh, I never would have thought about this particular thing being a breathing related problem, such as ADHD or diabetes, for example. Another bad breathing habit we have is holding our breath, particularly when we're sort of sat at our desks at work and maybe having a little bit of a stressful day, we'll hold our breath, but not in a way that's particularly healthy. There are some particular breathing techniques which do involve holding your breath for benefit, but we, if we're holding it in a kind of stress situation, that's, that's less healthy and less good for us. There was some really interesting research or studies that had been done in which he referenced in the book of indigenous groups of people who had been less touched, shall we say, by modernization and some of their practices around breathing. And even though these these groups of people were in completely different continents to each other, they all had really similar techniques and ways of breathing, which were much more unfettered by some of the modern ways of living that we have. So it was really interesting to see how they were living in much healthier ways, had much better jaw lines, much better teeth as a result of breathing better in a lot of ways and how those similarities spanned the the continents, even though they had no connection to each other in the sense of they weren't phoning each other up and comparing their breathing techniques or anything. They actually talked about one particular Native American group of people who wouldn't even smile with their mouths open in case some dirty, unfiltered air crept into their mouths because they were so they felt so strongly about nose breathing was the clean way to breathe and mouth breathing was quite a dirty way to breathe because you're not filtering the air. Even in a pre-scientific way, they, they had this intuition that that was the case. So that's big idea number two. We are breathing wrong. And big idea number three, luckily there's lots of this in the book, is how to breathe better. You may have already gathered the breathing better way is through your nose as a starting point. James even gives the technique, and again, this is obviously not medical advice, please read the book for yourself, of taping your mouth at night. Not completely, not in some kind of weird way, but just putting a little bit of like medical tape over your lips, which starts to just train them and tease them closed at night. I haven't quite tried that yet. The other thing we can be doing is increasing our lung capacity. Again, there was some quite interesting research about the link to lung capacity and longevity. We can increase our lung capacity by taking really long out breaths and accessing the full lung capacity rather than just the little kind of almost the top part of the lungs that we're accessing with these short, shallow breaths. This is used a lot by athletes, particularly the exhale, thinking about how to exhale really well. And athletes have used that with some really interesting results of being able to improve their endurance or their strength in particular sports. 
We've also become over-breathers. So another little piece from the book is that normal breath in, in today's modern age is between 12 and 20 breaths per minute, taking in about half a litre each time, which is almost twice as much as it used to be, particularly at that higher level. So we need to be practicing slower breathing at around five and a half breaths per minute is the, the recommended based on some of the research that James has been, been working on and practicing fewer inhales and exhales at a smaller volume to breathe, but to breathe less. Another way of improving our breathing is by chewing and chewing more. Now, we're probably not going to go and start eating bark and sticks like some of our prehistoric ancestors did, but chewing, even using gum, and I know kind of particularly chewy gum rather than the soft, squishy ones that will strengthen our facial bones and jaws and help open up the airways. So that's quite an easy one you could you could practice. And then various yogic breathing techniques, for example, alternate nose breathing, which you may, or alternate nasal breathing, which you may be familiar with if you've done any yoga before or particular types of meditation to balance out using the left and the right side of the nose. The right side, interestingly, is quite associated with the fight or flight response. So it gets you into a heightened sense of emotion. And the left side is the much calmer side. So that's a really interesting sense as well. And throughout the day, you will be more right or left side dominant, depending on the different time of the day. Also box breathing, something else you might be familiar with again from meditation, which is breathing in, counting to four whilst you breathe in, holding for four, breathing out slowly as you count to four and then holding that out breath for four and then repeat and repeat and repeat. There's plenty of other examples in the book. Those are just a couple of different ones. And then there's also some quite advanced methods as well, which come with a whole plethora of different warnings and caveats, such as the Wim Hof methods, which you may be familiar with as well. Some of which you cannot be doing if you uh, have heart conditions or lung conditions or are driving, operating heavy machinery or are anywhere near some water. There's actually on James's website, which I'll put a link to in the show notes, there's a whole little video section with some of these techniques that you can practice at home and start to build into your breathing repertoire. So that's big idea number three, how to breathe better. So there we go. Three big ideas from the book Breath by James Nestor. Big idea number one, our changing faces. Big idea number two, with breathing wrong. And big idea number three, how to breathe better. There's so much content in this book. There's so many different studies cited. There's so many different research conversations that James had. There's so many different scientists that he spoke to and these pulmonauts, as they are referred to, who are exploring breathing really and and how it affects our health and our well-being in all different ways physically psychologically etc it's a book that again is very hard to just can summarize the ideas but to get into the actual meat of it and get into the actual depth of the the, the studies the science the research is definitely one to go and, and read if this is something that is up your street if you've maybe suffer from some of these afflictions of poor breathing then this might be one to to go and explore a little bit more James is a journalist, so as you know, I do have a bit of a soft spot for books written by journalists. So it's incredibly well written, really easy to to read and not super long either. Definitely, It definitely packs a punch for its length. All right. If you've read this book, if it changed your life, if you've been practicing some of the breathing methods so far, I would love to hear from you. I'd really be really interested to find out what people are taking away from this book and how they are applying it to their lives. You can get in touch using LinkedIn or Instagram are the best places to find me. The contact details are at the bottom of the show notes as usual. Click over and send me a note, say hi, and don't forget to sign up for the bookmark newsletter. Until next time, happy reading.